Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. Welcome back to Woke and Wired podcast. I'm your host, Ksenia. Wow, what a week it has been. I have been feeling the moon and the eclipses, and like I shared on my Instagram, I woke up one night because the moon was shining so bright in my face. And I've been living in this apartment for a while, and that had never happened before. And some of those things are in Leo, and I'm a Leo. And it's interesting to be noticing that for the first time in years, actually, I'm feeling clarity and space to move forward. And for the first time ever, I don't feel like I'm behind, even though I still have a lot of things to accomplish and to do, and I have my to-do list, that seems never-ending. It doesn't feel overwhelming. It feels like I have arrived at a place where I am taking care of things that are most high-impact, most important, and it feels super grounding and empowering. Before we dive into this week's episode, I have a few announcements to make. The first one is that I have launched my solo episode series where I'm covering the topics of conscious and aligned social media, storytelling, branding, entrepreneurship, being your own mentor. And the first of the series is already up. The other one is going up in a couple of days. So those are shorter episodes that are directly related to the questions I'm getting on social media and also just things that are coming up for me in my experience running all the different businesses and projects that I run mostly on Instagram. There's a lot of information out there giving you updates on the Instagram algorithms and how to grow your email list, but I think there's not enough conversation had about how your personal energetic state and alignment and the purity of your intention and the clarity of your intention, how those things impact your business. And they really, really, really do. So one way you can connect with this, if it resonates, is listening to the solo episodes. And the other way, which is my other announcement that I'm super excited about, is that I'm working on launching my online tools. So those will be a series of online courses It will be some written material, some visualizations, and guided meditations and journaling prompts of things that I have actually used and things that have helped me most over the years of having done so many personal development trainings and retreats and studying different healing modalities and studying the metaphysical world and how the energy, the subtle invisible energy impacts us on this human and material level. So I don't have a date yet, but I am planning to release it in February 2019. So if you want to hear about it, go to WokenWire.com and then click the social media tab and sign up to receive updates on the progression of that. And with that, my third announcement is that I'm launching a monthly giveaway. Every single month, just for the podcast listeners, I'll be giving away a 30-minute session where you can ask me anything. It can be social media questions, branding, getting clear on your message, how to reach out to brands, how to get paid for your work, 
how to get free press. Or maybe it's answering your questions about your own personal spiritual growth practice. In those 30 minutes, I'm going to be all at your disposal. And the way to enter this contest is to go to the podcasts app on your phone or go to iTunes and leave a review for Woken Wired Podcast. Leave a rating, take a screenshot of it, and send it over to podcast at wokeandwire.com. And I will be selecting a random winner every month. I am taking on a very limited amount of social media clients right now. So this is really your opportunity to get this time with me and up level, really up level your presence online and in real life. All right, on to this week's guest. My guest is Topaz Adizas, who I met at a yoga and Qigong training that we did with our teachers, Kevin Courtney and Thomas George years ago. And I'm going to share more about what it was about Topaz that really struck me in our conversation. But for now, get excited because he is such a special human. He's an Emmy award-winning writer, director, and experienced designer. His films have been selected to Cannes, Sundance, South by Southwest, and so many other festivals around the world. His interactive documentary, The End, A-N-D, won the Emmy for New Approaches to Documentary, as well as the World Press Photo Award for Best Interactive Documentary. It also became a viral sensation, reaching number one on Reddit and BuzzFeed, experienced by over 70 million users. It was featured all over TV and international digital press. And Topaz's work has been exhibited everywhere from Central Pompidou in Paris to the United Nations headquarters in New York and featured New York Times and the New Yorker magazine. Basically, he is a big deal and he also has done commercial work for big brands like Netflix and Vogue. In the last four years, Topaz's work has primarily been focused on being the founder and executive director of The Skin Deep, which is an experience design studio focused on human connection in the digital age. So very well fitted with the theme of Woke and Wired, and Topaz has some incredible things to share. And he is also an experience designer, and the experience he recently designed that is like absolutely nothing I had ever experienced before is the Grace Retreat, which is a five-day immersive experience that invites you to tap into the stories of your life and share them with others so that you can recreate your future possibilities. And I got to tell you, this was I did this for my 30th birthday. You might remember me talking about it back in August, and I came back a different person. You can go into the show notes and I'm going to link to the YouTube video where I share my experience that I filmed right there on the spot. And honestly, I feel like if I didn't say a word and I just sat there in silence in front of camera, you would have been able to pick up the energy of what I was experiencing. The teachers were absolutely mind-blowing. The organization of it, the different elements of nature and the way that it connected body and mind and spirit through the elements of nature was just so phenomenal. If you have been looking to do something like this for you and take five days, 
to go on an experience that you are going to be transformed at and at the same time you know that your body is going to be nourished in all the ways then definitely check it out graceretreat.me i think they still have a couple of spots open for the next one coming up april 29th to may 3rd of 2019 and if you're listening to this podcast after those dates i'm sure there are more grace retreats coming up so just go to graceretreat.me and you'll find all the latest information there. Tomorrow, I'm off on another adventure. I'm going to the Bahamas to document a nonprofit mission that Lenny Kravitz is one of the founders of. So um, you'll be seeing lots of updates from me on all my social channels. Say hi there. And without further ado, here's Topaz. I've had three short films at Sundance. I've had one film at Cannes. One an Emmy. We had things go viral. I never expected that to happen. I only dreamt of it. And now it's done. So it's like, what's next? And the key is not the awards. Not really, the key is the relationships you build with people. We're going through a consciousness change, and I think we've forgotten about our connection with each other. All right, guys. So I have Topaz Adizas here. I'm sitting in his office in Greenpoint, and he just took a moment right before we started to write something on a bright pink post-it and to put it into a jar that says appreciation jar on it. So why don't you share a little bit about what exactly this is and how you use it in your work and life? I call it the in the jar, put it in the jar, in the jar, D-A, instead of T-H-E, in the jar. <laughs> it's our appreciation jar. Every year we, we have like this mason thing, this mason jar. And we post it notes and every time something funny happens or something great happens or a memory happens or whoever in our team just writes the post-it jar, puts it in. And then at the end of the year, we'll have a dinner and just pull out these little post-it notes that remind us of all the, basically the year that went by. And the trick is the more you put in, the better the dinner is, the better your memory is of, because there's so many fleeting moments that are wonderful that you forget about. Right. And it also makes you... um focus on the things to be grateful for versus the bad things. Because mm. I think we're designed to like focus on negative to survive instead of being focused on positive to excel. So yeah, we make an appreciation jar every year and then we keep them. And then over the years, now this is our fifth, fourth jar, fifth wow. jar. So we have like five years or four years of post-it notes of great things. So, you know, you remember the people that were here that contributed to building what we have. And yeah. I love that. So and I'm super grateful to be here for you. <laughs> I am grateful to be reunited. So I'm going to actually rewind and share with all the listeners how we met. Mm. We met a couple of years ago before I went nomadic and did this whole stunt. And we, you were filming a documentary about a Qigong and yoga training that we were both doing with Thomas Droge and Kevin Courtney. And guys, if you haven't listened to the episode with Thomas Droge, definitely check it out. It's super inspiring. So you were filming and you were interviewing people and during lunch breaks. And I was like, oh yeah, sure. I'll be on camera. I'll answer a couple of questions. And then something happened where I was in front of the camera, which I'm usually very uncomfortable with. And you just first made me feel at ease. And then I just felt such presence in you, the way you held space and made me feel comfortable with going into the vulnerable spaces was like nothing I'd ever experienced before. Mm. and then I was like, I made like a mental mark. Okay, this guy, something about him. Because the training was like a nine-month training, I think, mm -hmm. over the span of 
a long time. We've only met a few times, like three weekends, I think. Yeah. So it's not like we really kept in touch or formed that connection right there and then. But then I saw you post, actually not you, but Thomas posted on Instagram, like all good things. Thanks, Instagram. Yeah. Posted video of the retreat that you were putting together, Grace Retreat in Mexico. Yeah. And it fell right on my 30th birthday. And it had really cool retreat leaders. And I was just like, okay, no matter what it takes, I'm going to have to be there and make this happen. And Grace was a little over a month ago. And it was totally life-changing. We're going to be talking. I've already talked to you guys about this in previous episodes. And we're going to be diving way deeper into this in the episode with Donnie Epstein. But here you are. We just spent a week together in Mexico. That was life-changing. And now we're here to talk about what you're up to and you have some really interesting ideas about digital entrepreneurship, spirituality, and personal development. And I'm going to start with your Instagram bio. Okay. Your Instagram bio says story breaker and the founder of the skin deep. Mm. That's all it does. Is that bad? So (laughs) we're just actually discussing some social media stuff before now, not in a way of it's right or wrong, but I'm just curious, what does it mean and what it is that you actually do? Because you have so many different projects going on. Right. Well, I call myself a story breaker. I'm 42 now, but when I was 37, I had this experience at actually a Tony Robbins event, Day with Destiny. I went because I had a free ticket through my dad, and I said, sure, I'll get to hang out with my dad. And little did I know that I would have a profound, incredible experience. Up until then, I called myself a film director, and then I called myself a storyteller. But this experience, I had a realization for myself that I was a story breaker, and what does that mean? And why did I give myself that name? We all tell ourselves stories about how the world is, who we are, what happens, how things work. You know, I'm Topaz and I live in New York and I sleep in this bed and, or love is like this and love is like that and power is like this and work means this. And these are old stories. And then something happens. You get hit by a car, you get cancer, you fall in love, you fall out of love, you get married, you get divorced. Something happens. You meet somebody, you know, you watch a film, you read a book, you have a conversation. Something happens that breaks your story and you have to create a new one. So I decided to say like, well, that's really... I kind of found my uh, form of my purpose was in story breaking because as a story breaker, like film directors don't host retreats. Film directors don't create interactive projects. Film directors, you know, they make movies. They create like, uh, what I just think I see it as like a meditation, modern day meditation is film, cinema. You go, you have the same breathing patterns. You're watching a big screen. You're not moving and you're just focused on one thing for 90 minutes. It's like modern day meditation. Never heard about it that way. I love that. That's how I see films. Like if I go to theater, it's modern day meditation. I mean, try to get your average millennial or any human these days to sit for 90 minutes. Well, and and have the same breathing pattern, same Mm -hmm. heartbeat. I mean, pretty much the only time that happens for mainstream populations in cinema. Does binge watching Netflix count? (laughs) Yes, it does. Good. Depends on how many times you go to to the kitchen. (laughs) <laughs> for the ice cream or popcorn. If you eat meditatively, it still counts. Yes, true, consciously. But, uh, so long story short, like that was filmmaking, but then, or that's making movies, but, you know, there were these other inclinations that I had that I had to give myself permission to explore because I was calling myself a film director. When you change the name of what you give yourself, you're also changing your story, basically. When you change your story, when you change the names of what you call yourself or things, it creates new possibilities. When I said, oh, I'm now a story breaker, what does that mean? Well, we all tell ourselves stories. 
things happen to change your story. I, being a story breaker, I'm going to create these experiences that break people's stories. And that could be an interactive experience. It could be a retreat. It could also be a conversation. It could be a conversation with your Uber driver, with your neighbor walking down the street. It could be anything. Then it becomes from what I'm doing to who I'm being. And then it also gives me permission for more avenues of expression in my doing, right? Before, a film director just does films. Story breaker, well, geez. We'll break so, a microphone. We'll break a microphone. <laughs> a story breaker can create apps, right? I mean, just gives you more permission. So that's why I call myself story breaker. And sometimes I always think like, well, people are going to see that and be like, what a pompous schmuck. You know, what does that mean? But I think that oftentimes when we stick with old terms, we also stick with old paradigms in order to break paradigms, give it new words. So, and people will have judgments no matter what you do. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, more important than their judgments is how I'm reacting to what I think are their judgments and how that's <laughs> limiting me. So it's actually not important what they think. It's more important like how I'm dealing with my perceived impression of how I'm judged. So get rid of that shit. Stop wasting your time. Mm -hmm. And I think as you get older... You realize the less time you have hmm. and the more, you know, the more effective you have to be and the more efficient you have to be because you have less time on this planet. And you become like, it's ironic how like as you get older, the more you appreciate life and the younger you are, the more energy you have to engage with it. And yet you appreciate it less because you kind of take it for granted. You know, you look at a two-year-old kid running around. Anyway, so that's why I call myself a story break. Long story short. <laughs> with the skin deep, you explain it as exploring human connection in the digital age and you have won an emmy award for your series the end can you explain what this is i remember when i first met you i think you were just like in the process of launching that and since it's become like this global thing you have 51 million freaking views on youtube it's huge sure. so what mindset and what state were you in when you created that how did the whole thing come about so it's called the end because a relationship is not you or me, him or her, us or them. It's you and me, you know, him and her, us and them. It's the end that connects us. It's the end that's the space between. So we created the end, this interactive site and this video series and this app and these card games that really connects, you know, illuminates the connection between us, the end, the space between us. So it started, uh, geez, in the fall, winter of 2013. And in earnest, we started in January of 2014. And in essence, I'm 43. Back then, I was, I don't know, 38 or something. But you were just 42. 42, yeah. <laughs> look, how, look how fast time goes by. I'm already figuring that. But wait, I was like in my late 30s. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough that I have this brother who's 16 years younger than me. So I'm here in my late 30s, and he's like 22. And I can, you know, and I'm not in a relationship. At the time, I wasn't in a relationship. I had no family. So I was still single and dating and I was seeing my younger brother, how he was single and dating and how he was communicating. And I was noticing how the way he communicated was totally different than me, you know, and I saw that. And then even like a few, you know, I had one, I was, you know, dating a woman who's five, only five years younger than me, but I noticed already a generational gap with terms of the texting. Now it's not so big. We like, I've become accustomed to texting and that becomes people feel that that's intimate, but like three, four years ago when it was, you know, text and like the other party woman would not want to really talk on the phone. They were comfortable with text, particularly if she was younger. And I felt like, but I want to talk to you. <laughs> and for them, there was no need to talk because we were texting. And I know that was sufficient. Well, now you Instagram DM. You don't even text. You don't even text. 
I mean, voicemail doesn't even exist anymore. Right. So you just noticing that we're living in incredible. What, what I realized because I was single, because while my friends were married and raising their kids, they weren't like in the situation, right? While I old, you know, so I was single. I also had a brother who was sixteen years younger, and I was communicating with him and seeing how he was dating, how he was communicating with me, how he was communicating with his friends. I saw that, like, oh my God, we're living in this pivotal inflection point in human history where the emotional experience of life is shifting. I see it like a spectrum of color. Like there's a spectrum of color that you could see. There's different shades of green and blue and violet and, and red and da da da. Our vision has shifted where there are some colors that we used to see that we no longer see, and there are new colors that we can see. I just I'm just putting that towards emotional experience of life. So there's new emotional experiences that we're having, i.e. I live in uh you know, Salt Lake City and I want to find a partner and I go through Instagram and I hashtag cool tattoos and I find somebody in Jersey who has cool tattoos. <laughs> I Skype with them. I FaceTime with them. Next thing you know, I'm married to them. Like we did a story on that story. Are you serious? Yeah, that's a true story. Like right? can we link to it in the show notes? Is it actually up already? No, we haven't. We actually never finished the edit. <laughs> but that's a true story. Now they have three children together, wow. right? That was not possible 10 years ago, 15 years ago. You know, that, that wasn't possible. You it was much harder to find partners around the world. Now, it happens all the time. If we go back to the spectrum of emotional experience, the spectrum of emotional experience, we're living in an inflection point in human history where the spectrum has shifted. There's certain emotional experiences that are gone, that are no longer there. For example, any kid underneath of 12 years old or 15 year old has not had the experience of calling the house of somebody they like and as the phone rings, they sweat with anxiety because they're scared the parents will pick up. <laughs> These kids don't even know what a, a, a phone looks like, like the hand, hand phones in the past it's like. Right. The emotional experience of getting into a very slow elevator on the 18th floor, and as it goes down to the 16th floor, oh, someone that comes That you can in. still find. Well, everyone's on their phone. You just pull oh, out your phone. Yeah. The experience of being, oh, going slow in an elevator, that's still here. But the odd experience of being in the elevator where someone else gets in and you have to go, okay, am I going to acknowledge them? Am I not? That awkward silence that used to be here 10, 15 years ago, not even 10, 15 years ago, where you're like, oh, hey, how you doing? How you? And you make small talk as the elevator goes down. That doesn't happen anymore because everyone pulls out their phone. Right. This awkward small talk on the plane. People get on planes now. They sit next to somebody for four or five hours. They don't talk to them. Right. Because they have their phone. They're talking on their phone. So this thing about these awkward moments or, or even that's not the only one, but there's certain emotional experiences that no longer exist. And there are new emotional experiences that are happening that did not exist before. Whereas before, for example, for as before I find my partner in physical proximity, you know, 20 years ago and before, whoever you would have a relationship with, it would come out of, well, I met them at church, I met them at the bar, I met them at work, I met them at a friend's party. I had to physically meet them. They had to physically be around my world. That's gone now. Mm. Now who I am is reflected in an internal search, which is then manifested externally through my iPhone and my Android. And the brand you've created for yourself online. Yeah, that's like part of that conversation is like, how do I express myself to then find this other connection? But what I'm saying is that why do we have all these new terms? Like I just filled out this application on this fellowship and they said, or a survey, they're like, are you, and they literally said, are you LGBTQ? And then it was like FFIFGH. I mean, there's all these new distinctions coming up. Why weren't these distinctions around 20 years ago? What are they? 
I don't know what these letters are, but there's new letters. Like, Someone knows, let us know, guys. Yeah, let us know. Like, what are all these new terms? But why are these terms appearing now and they weren't here 20 years ago? Why? Because 20 years ago and before, if you were in your town and you felt a certain way, you would look for other people like you. And it's really hard to find other people like you in a small town, small community, physical proximity. So you would be in the closet. You would be weird. You'd be ostracized. Now... You don't have to be physically proximate to people to find your own identity. You go into your phone, you find other communities like you around the world, and then you give it a name. And that's why we have all these new distinctions showing up because people are finding each other. They're finding comfort. They're finding their own tribe. And the tribe is no longer dependent on physical proximity. It's dependent on your own ability to look inside yourself, to find ways of expressing it, to find other people who are like that and give it a name. And that is a new emotional experience of human life that's only afforded us through technology. So because of all this is happening, I was like, oh my God, there's new experiences appearing and there's old experiences disappearing entirely. This is an inflection point in human history, unlike any other time ever. And I know, I think every generation says that, but I think this is unique. I mean, we are at the, we have, in my opinion, the internet and you have blockchain technology, which are two fundamentally profound paradigm shifting technologies shifting consciousness and thought and the way we're behaving, the way we're thinking. So what we do now, and everyone's looking at like, oh, how does technology affect politics? How does technology affect money? How does technology affect um, social factors? Well, what about how does technology and the way we're relating affect the emotional experience of life? And so that's why with the skin deep, it's like, okay, I want to explore this. I want to create experiences, make you rethink how you connect. And let's do that. There's no agenda, but there are values. We have values, non-judgment, creating a non-judgmental space for people to be safe and vulnerable to express themselves. These are like our values, if you will. It's not like an agenda with a certain aim, but an exploration with values. That's, that's why I created the Skin Deep, because I think if we make a slight millimeter change now at this point in human history, if you go 100 years from now, you're a miles different spot. You know, the dams, the dam is breaking open now. The flood is here and it's flying. If you could just divert that flood just a little bit, where we are in in a hundred years down the line is miles apart. So how are you diverting it exactly? By re-reminding people the threads that bind us. Like take two magnets. Okay, you have two magnets. I have two magnets here. All right, so I, I carry these around for me all the time. They're two kind of these golden magnets. Yeah. Okay. Right? So you have these two magnets, right. right? Try to get them as close together without touching. It's impossible. Well, you know, why? Right. But you can you feel the connection between them? Yeah. Or like spin one around where it's like negative and you can feel the push. So like, do you feel a connection? Yes. Do you see anything connecting them? No. That exists between all those human beings. Like if you take two magnets and you, you put them close but not touching, you can feel the magnetic pull and push. But you don't see anything, but it's there. Yeah. And that exists between all of us. In our work, what we do is we try to illuminate that connection. Because there's a lot of beauty in that connection. There's a lot of lessons in that connection. And by seeing that connection, it reminds you of your own connection with others. And I think we so often, particularly in the West, forget that. Especially it's like that. And that's what we're seeing now. Part of your show, Woke and Wired, is like there's a new consciousness appearing. It's not just in the past. It was the particularly America. It was founded on... Being independent, like independently wealthy, doing it yourself, work hard, make it happen. But it's really about you. It's like the perfect manager, like the perfect business, like you do it on yourself. And part of that is 
you're forgetting the connection with others. We're going through a consciousness change, and I think we've forgotten about our connection with each other. So for those who haven't seen your YouTube channel, and I doubt that you guys haven't because it's gone viral several times, can you explain exactly what it looks like, what the concept is? So what we do in the end is we have two people who are in a relationship, whether they're best friends, lovers, ex-lovers, uh, you know, married, um, working together, any, anything, first blind dates even. Facing each other, we film it with three cameras. So at the very least, as an audience, you're seeing both their faces at the same time. And what the participants are doing are taking questions and asking each other questions that we've written for them. You know, so you have a couple who's like, am I the best sex you ever had? What's one thing I could do in our relationship to improve it? When was the last time I disappointed you most? And how do you feel about it now? We're asking questions of which they can answer or not, because there's always a rule that you can pass. And creating the space by which people can have conversations that they may not normally have. And one beautiful thing about it is that normally, you know, if you go home to your partner and you say, why do you love me? You know, your partner is not thinking, oh, why do I love, why do I love Ksenia? No, your partner is thinking, why is Ksenia asking me this question? What's the agenda? You know, they're not open to the space. When you put the cards there, when you have the question cards, when you create an artifice by which you can ask the question, and there's no agenda behind it. People actually, it creates a space for people to actually talk about it. It feels safe to talk about it. Oftentimes, you know, you might feel uncomfortable telling someone why you love them or you're often uncomfortable telling them, you know, what's one thing they could do to improve their, you know, your relationship with them or, or what, why you are, when you're proudest of them. But when you have like a card game to do it, it gives you the permission, the freedom to, to, to tell them. Or, to have, or, or for you to sit there and receive. And so in this space, on these videos, we're basically mining human relationships around the planet. Our aim is to build the Wikipedia of human relationships, the Quora of human emotion. No big deal. Yeah, well, <laughs> today we have, I don't know, 500 couples that we do. Do you have researchers working with you to actually analyze that data? Well, no, not yet. That would be cool. Yeah, no, for sure. We, it's people, that's part of the long, long-term plan. But, you know, slowly, step by step, we'll see. I think we've often forgotten the beauty that exists in the relationships in our lives. So at what point did it really start picking up? And did you expect it to? What was the breaking point for it? I think, honestly, I don't think the breaking point is there yet. Well, when I say success, I just mean the scale. Like, I think more people are seeing it and aware of it. But I still think it hasn't fully hit its full offering as a value in society yet. I, don't I think it's there. get that. And at the same time, it's interesting because for me as someone who works in social media and talks about it with a lot of people, I realized I caught myself being like, well, once I hit this number, I know I'm making a big impact. I've made it. And mm. every time I hit that number, whether it's Instagram followers or YouTube views, I'm just like, oh, yeah, mm. what's next? So it's, it's never ending. No, no, I, I don't see those numbers though. I so what like, do you measure? I measure it as like a value. So these videos now, they're like one-off videos, but there's no synergistic value to them. So what ultimately I want to get to is to A, you can play the ant in your own life as a user. You don't have to watch the videos or you don't have to get the card game deck or get the app. You can actually play it. So you could mm. go online and like play the ant with other people in your life remotely. So you want to have a conversation with your dad and it's like, okay, what are we going to talk about? Easy, just play the end. And so you give people the ability to have conversa these conversations in their lives. So that's like a, that's a functionality. So I'm gauging the success by, 
I know these two functionalities I want to offer the world and whether a lot of people watch it or not or participate, but I think that that's like the full manifestation of the value of these videos or of this, this game, this artifice is by asking questions is making it available to everyone and also make it queryable, make it searchable. So I could literally go in and say, you know what? I'm scared to be a father. Do 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 enter. Mm. And then it searches through all the conversations that have been had about people who are concerned about fatherhood, lesbian couples, gay couples, a father in Africa who hasn't seen his son in 10 years, you know, different relationships who are concerned about fatherhood. And I can then get this playlist of different converse, different moments of conversations of different relationships around the world mm. who are dealing with the same thing. So that I see I'm not the only one. That's huge. And B, there's multiple ways to solve the same problem. It's like so reading to, books 2.0. Like that advanced, like we're not capitalizing on the relationships in our lives. You know, if I tell you, hey, Ksenia, man, all relationships are jealousy. There's, there's so much jealousy in love. It's crazy. Like, no, Topaz, that's how you experience love. You know, you're 50% of all your relationships. And so you bring that to all your relationships. That's why you think love is full of jealousy. But actually, check out these 10 relationships. There's no jealousy. Isn't that interesting? Maybe there's a different way of being. Maybe, maybe there's a different paradigm to be had. So if we make available the relationships on this planet, all the different relationships, all the different ways that they're communicating, connecting to you, that's like the greatest advisory tool you can ever have. So you're saying that we'll learn about ourselves by listening and watching others' stories. Sure. Yeah. Because all the advice you ever give or ever receive is based on somebody living it. Right. You know, you tell somebody, hey, they have a lower back pain. Well, listen, I did Pilates for three months and it was awesome and you should do it. Or I have a friend who did Pilates, but you're not going to make something up out of the blue. Like, hey, you know, you should do this thing, Chakankuku, because, you know, I think it's cool. It's, you're not, you're not imagining. You either read it in the book because someone did it or someone, or you did it or someone else. Someone did it and it worked and they're telling you and you're sharing that as advice for someone else. So it's always based on someone's life experience. So what if you make life experience easily accessible for people to query and search through? How is that different from Instagram? Because Instagram is, is just a people in Instagram and Facebook. People share what they do, not their relationships in their life. They're not sharing the relationships. In, in the end, because you see both faces at the same mm. time, you they don't even have to say an answer. You know, if someone says, when was the last time I hurt you? How do you feel about it now? And you have a bi-panel, so you see both faces. And the person looks at them, and they're both reacting, but they're not saying anything. And then the person says, they didn't say anything. Mm. But you can feel the connection. You can feel the emotional stakes there. You can feel, and you don't even know what happened. What's the most impactful story you've heard or filmed? Well, we've had, we've apparently, we did, this is not the most emotional for me, ironically. But, you know, we did one story on a kidney transplant. And someone saw it and donated a kidney. So we know we saved wow. at, least, at least one life. No, the thing that's emotional is the emails we get, the emails we get, and the direct messages we get. And we've gotten so many in our time that we know we're creating impact. And one thing that's really touched is I have a, one of our participants, they come back year after year. We have a lot of participants who come back year after year. How do you choose them for in the first place? We don't choose them. In the beginning, they just come. And the truth is, there is a story in every relationship. Every, there's stories everywhere. You just have to ask the right questions. Right. And I'm, and for those who are listening, like oftentimes we take our lives for granted and they're boring or they're not illuminating or they're not exciting because we're not asking the right questions. If we ask the right questions, 
you're gonna get better answers. You're gonna get more. Like, what are the what are the answers you want? You want happy answers? You want positive answers? Ask like the right question, and that's what you'll get. You know. So like, instead of you know, for instance, like, what's the biggest mistake I ever made? Okay, well then I'm paying attention to my biggest mistake I ever made. What if you ask the question, what's the biggest mistake I ever did that changed my life for the better? Okay, wait one second, one second. You're telling me that I can make a mistake that changes my life for the better? Well, have you ever asked yourself that question? What if you ask yourself that question? Then it opens up the possibility of like, well, maybe mistakes create something for the better. And I'm sure they, they have, but... They and it's all in the words, right? It's all in the it's words. It's a word game. It's like, the better the question, the better the answer. People oftentimes focus too much on the answer and not on the question that they ask themselves. So speaking of questions, tell me about the card deck. Yeah. How did that come about and what exactly is in it? And who should have it? The card deck is pretty crazy because... Uh, so I can tell you this. I don't really like playing the card deck. And mostly they're my questions. I don't really like the card deck because, but that's, but I play it. My partner, Ikari, she, she loves playing it and all her friends love playing it. And people like playing it because they're almost like tarot cards, right? It's weird. They're kind of like tarot cards. Like, can we open up one? Yeah. Tarot card is like, it's going to ask the question that's like, it's the thread that's probably a very vulnerable thread in the relationship with the person playing. Right. So like, if you take it home and play with your partner, I wouldn't be surprised if those questions pop up. You're like, wow, that, that is, or that's like, that's touching the focal point. So can we open up one and just pull out one card to give you everyone guys listening an idea? Yeah, we have family here. We have coworkers. We have friends. We have strangers and we have couples. Those are friends. Yeah. So I'm just going to, I'm picking this beautiful orange deck with 199 questions. Friends edition, the end deck. Oh, you should mix it up though before. Oh, I picked the one that I'm going to. How honest are you with me? <laughs> In a podcast, no less. <laughs> How honest are you, Tempest? I think I'm very honest. I think so, too. I've been pretty honest with you, too. I walked in here, I'm like, I'm fucking overwhelmed. <laughs> okay. Can I see one from the couples edition? You have that? Yeah. So you create all these questions. Mostly, yeah. I mean, it's a team effort, no doubt. But they mostly come from my life. Okay. I'm pulling one from the black couples edition. And the question is, when was the last time I made you feel secure as a person? That's a great one. Hmm. I might bring this home tonight. They're kind of weird. They're like tarot cards. Really weird. It's like what's in the, it picks up what's in the space. Yeah. And I, you know, I think, I don't know if that's really like what's happening. I don't know what's going on, but I found, that's what I find to be true. And I think it's because the questions are kind of open-ended and maybe they work for everything. Or maybe they're just, they have this charity thing going on and, and played it a few times with friends where... The questions are asked are really the questions you're like, okay, how far am I going to go? How honest am I really going to be in this? How much am I going to use this question to really lean into the the discomfort or the conflict to really, therefore, then solidify my relationship with them? How, you know, how much I want to, I almost see like relationships, like, like if you don't tend to them, they begin to calcify Mm. kind of, you know, like uh, when it gets scar tissue, you Mm. have to like keep stretching it mm. or like your muscles, if you don't tend to them and stretch them and push them, then they start to calcify. And then ultimately something's going to happen that's going to force you to, you know, you have a fight or a big agreement mm. or some conflict, something happens that forces you to lead into it. Right. And if you don't maintain it, then, then you're going to have that experience of a big conflict to force you to like stretch out that muscle and re-engage with it instead of allowing it to calcify. So... 
are the cards your main way how you monetize your business or what's the business oh, okay. model behind the beautiful work that you do so quick history on the skin deep when we started it we did not have the end we just to explore human experience and then the end was after a few months the first thing that we launched and I made many mistakes doing it we we had an interactive website the and.us and definitely it's forward thinking and that's what won the Emmy for new approaches to documentary and we didn't have a YouTube channel Oh, and our first, no, not at all. Where was everything hosted? On the and.us, which you could only share the website, not even a single was video. Was it Vimeo or something? It was hosted on Vimeo, but it's on our own. We built our I own see. website, interactive website, which is way ahead of its time, the and.us. Mm-hmm. Still up? Yeah, still up. It hasn't been updated in three years, but I mean, the videos have been updated, but not the, the thinking mechanism, the algorithm behind it, nor the UX. But it's, you know, that's what we're building now into a platform. But... We launched that. We had a few videos go viral on BizFeed or, or whatnot. I don't even remember. But no YouTube channel. People were spending three hours on our site on the wow. end.us. It's built to create conversations in your own life. So that was success. But then what happened like a year, a year after was we licensed uh, these videos to Glamour, Glamour magazine on their digital channel. And we had a video that BuzzFeed kind of talked about. And in the first week, it was a part one and part two. It hit 15 million and 4 million views. It was part one and part two. So 15 and 4 million views in the first week. On YouTube at that time? Was it it on- was on their YouTube. Got it. And we didn't have a YouTube channel. Wow. So we just had Instagram. And Instagram went from like 600 to 7,000 in a week. So that's when I was like, okay, I'm missing out here. And we, we made many mistakes. And we're still alive, but we've gone through some shifts, right? And I think... The big story is I was focused as an artist and an artist is motivated by, well, it's important, dope work. It's important work and it's beautiful and it needs to be made. Businessmen, businesswomen think, well, is this going to make return on this investment? Is this going to like give me more than I put in? So I'm not breaking my back and then I have more energy to do other things with and they call it money, but it's really energy. Like, will I have more energy to give out after I go through this experience? Am I getting so you value? didn't your, set yourself up to get that exchange back? No, I mean, that's why the last two years, this year I've been recovering, but two years for last year and the year before, I had a, not a, literally a broken back, but I was hobbling. I couldn't walk without pain. I mean, it was not pretty. I had to change my life. So what, what do you think were the thought patterns that led you to that place? Which place? Or maybe what are some things you are now releasing to sort of move on from... Move into an energy exchange that feels more honest and expansive, where you actually get back as much as you put into your work, energetically, money-wise, all that. I get, I get, as an artist, I get tons from my work. But what I'm saying is it's not sustainable. I get a lot of joy and it's amazing, these end videos. But if I'm not having income come in to pay for it to happen, that means I have to find it from other places. It's not sustainable. So for instance, not this year, but Last year, 2017, 2016, I basically had to come up with 12 to 16 grand every two weeks. I had to come up with 26 grand, 28 grand every month. How did you do that? I don't know. <laughs> I was hustling, you know? It was tough. Was it through the skin deep? Yeah, it was, was through it the skin deep. Yeah, we had, we had a large, great team. And it was a wonderful team, and you know, but it wasn't sustainable because I as it wasn't fully developed as a business person. You know, I didn't really have a business model. I mean, one reason we didn't go viral when we did go viral on YouTube with Glamour, we didn't have YouTube because I was like, 
I'm not a YouTube channel. Right. I'm Premier Steak and I'm not a hamburger. No, we don't have, well, I missed that boat, you know, in terms of we could have had a lot more subscribers and followers and views if we had a YouTube channel up when the other video went viral. Correct. So many missed opportunities like that or having a company for three years without a really viable or focused business model. And me as an artist, really this last year has been that lesson is how do you become, what does it really mean to become a business person? What does it mean? I think, well, what I'm learning now, you know, and everything has its time and its place for your individual journey. So every, I think that's how I feel. And for me, I'm really learning now is, is the metrics of this, how to fly the plane. You go into a, you go to a cockpit now. We go into a cockpit of a plane now. We see all these dials. We have no idea what those dials mean. It's about learning those dials. So now I know, okay, I know now that I have a 0.8% subscription conversion rate. So from a view to subscriber, I have 0.8%. I have 430,000 subscribers. If I want to get to 1 million, I need another 570,000 subscribers. That means at the current rate of 0.8% conversion, how many views do I need? Okay, I need these many views. If I'm averaging 400,000 views a week, that means I need, what, three years? Well, how do I get there faster? I need to increase it to 2%. Okay, increase the views. Now I know the metrics. Mm -hmm. So when I bring someone into the team, instead of saying, okay, just have fun and do your best and create cool stuff, it's like when you're doing your work, the number we're looking at to see change is a conversion rate. I want to see point two. I want to see two percent conversion rate instead of 0.8 percent from the views to subscribers. The same thing with, I mean, I'm sure for business people this is obvious, but for an artist, we don't think like this. And I'm just having this experience coupled with really forced to me from the lower back pain of hobbling around for like two years and literally not being able to carry like a 10 pound bag and having to lie on my back and change it and saying, okay, how do I make what I love sustainable? And now I'm learning. Now I've had, you know, we just really in earnest started selling the card games in January. We sold about, I don't know, $170,000 worth of card games in nine months. Through your YouTube channel. Through our YouTube, our, our Shopify. And there's, and that's a two, two, that's a two man team, two, mm. two person team. Wow. So there's so much room for us to grow. So many, um, I guess I'd say inefficiencies that we can improve on. But now I'm aware of, okay, if someone comes in and join the team, what are the things they can focus on that will tweak? Is it the conversion rate? Let's say visit Shopify. Is it, okay, if I put in this amount of energy, what will I get on this side, on the output side of energy? Before I wasn't aware, I had no idea of the flow, right? The conversion flow, if you will. Now I do. I'm learning. When you say you're learning, how exactly are you doing it? Because you grew up surrounded by one of the world's most famous business consultants, your, yeah. your father. You grew up with Tony Robbins in proximity, Donnie Epstein, like the world leaders. In but I don't know if, well, Donnie, yeah, but Donnie's energetic configuration and connecting to a higher intelligence. Tony Robbins is like a conscious coach. He does have business mastery of which the two, it's funny. The one point that, that is definitely undeniable is my dad because, I mean, he's, he's way ahead of his time. And you go to Tony Robbins, like, the two greatest things you'll learn in business mastery are things he's basically are my dad's that he doesn't give credit to unless my dad's in the room. I don't know why. Maybe it's because of rejection. It's like of the one side to, and also I think because truthfully, my dad is an artist. Mm. He's an artist of culture and he just plays it in business because that's where he can get paid for it really well. Mm. But he's an old artist of how do you bring consciousness 
to organizations because organizations are organisms too. He's brilliant. And, and I think what I've learned from him is how to build a team. How do you, how do you have transparency in team? And ultimately, how do you really, what's important is not what you do, but who you are. It's about creating mutual trust and respect in your team. Because what you sell today is not what you sell tomorrow. You're going to change. You have to change. Mm-hmm. So how do you create a team that can change really fast with as little internal marketing as possible, right? With internal marketing meaning energy that you expend on the internally so you can spend most of your energy with the clients, with the consumers out there. So that I was really good at in terms of like understanding the business side. I guess I missed that lesson from my dad. Maybe it was a form of rebellion or... So where are you picking it up now? Like all the thinking, the strategic thinking about the YouTube and everything else. Where are you learning that? Do you have books well, I or learned, channels? Well, I mean, well, right, pick your brain. You are super helpful. Thank you. Yeah. And other advisors. I have a few mentors. I'm learning very slowly. I wish I could learn faster, but I'm I'm learning slowly. I don't know how I'm learning. It's a good question. No, no one has sat me down and said, dude, this is what it is. You have like the traffic stream and you have these conversion <laughs> points. And what is it and how do you improve that? But I'm sure, you know what? I'm sure if I watched like YouTube mm-hmm. once and I watched some classes, but I haven't done that. I can share a YouTube channel with you that has really helped me. Oh, I'd love it. I mean, that would probably help me learn faster as if I did that. But I didn't. I guess I have them too stubborn that I can. <laughs> but I you know, that's really a waste of that's been a waste of energy and time. Mm-hmm. But everything has its time. I'm I'm I believe that. Your biggest weaknesses can also be your biggest gifts, or maybe you can't have your gifts without also the weaknesses. And it's about mm-hmm. learning to find complementary teams to cover each other. I mean, that's something that my dad has taught, mm-hmm. I believe in that. But yeah, I guess I should do more YouTube, Google searches and study from other people. You know, it's a funny balance between all the strategy and how to convert and change the numbers here, because sometimes all it takes, like if now BuzzFeed does a feature on you, and you already have your channel that's very engaging and very interactive and it's there, you're going to get to a million overnight. Anything is possible. With with technology, we live in a world where things and ideas and possibilities are amplified by so Mm -hmm. much. Yeah. I mean, my gosh, I've definitely, I mean, if we even went back, I've had three short films at Sundance. I've had one film at Cannes, one at Emmy. We had things go viral. I never expected that to happen. I wasn't dreamt of it. And now it's done. So it's like, what's next? And the key is not the awards. Not, really, the key is the relationships you build with people. What are you putting out there? How? Because we're going to die anyways. I mean, we're, we don't matter that much. All that matters is what's the work you leave behind that affects people? How have you treated people in getting there? Because that resonates throughout time and history. And... How, what are the values you've instilled in, in your offspring, in my opinion? Those are the things, things that matter. It's not the awards, not the accolade. Wow. That's what, to me, matters. Because we're dead already. <laughs> you know, it's like, how are you treating people? Mm. How are you treating people? What do you put, what, what energy are you putting out there into the world, you know? This is so freaking profound because I think, you know, so many of us spend yeah. 10 years, lifetime thinking, what do I create to go viral? What do I create to sell $170,000 worth of my product? And it seems like this thing in a pedestal that once I reach it, oh my gosh, I have the world in front of me. I have everything I've ever wanted. Like for me, even like distant leaf, I think a million Instagram followers. Well, from there I can do anything. It's like this romanticized idea of accolades, which is totally empty. It's like, if you want to be doing these things, once you have that, 
do them freaking now. The one thing that drives me crazy is people are, I want to affect a billion people. I want, you know, billions like a big number. I want this. And we want many. It's like, what about one? What about one person? I mean, the whole universe is in one relationship. can be in one relationship. We start there. And I mean, we've seen a lot of famous people this last year commit suicide. And how many millions of people did they have following them? What was the quality of their life? Like, right. I don't think we should overlook, you know, Tony Robbins calls it like the science of achievement. And then there's the art of fulfillment. They're two separate things. One's a science, like, okay, achievement. I got to do this, this, this. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is an art. And I think it's good to have both in balance mm-hmm. or more importantly, the art of fulfillment. And if you can be a master of fulfillment, you don't need to achieve much. But then the question of achievement, I don't think it's about achievement. I think, I think that's also like an old school first tier consciousness idea. I think it's more about the science of like contribution. How much am I giving to others? How am I being the most of myself to leave the most I have behind for others or with others? How am I, what am I doing to add to the field? The field being, you know, the consciousness, us, the community, whether it's your blog, your nation, your city, the world, whatever. I don't think that's as important as like, you know, and there's so many people that you, particularly on social media that I watch that you see here and then they, they know how to market so well, but what are they really offering? What are they saying that's unique, honestly, that's not like a cliche, you know? And where, do, where is that uniqueness coming from? I think it comes from... Well, nothing what, is what you, unique anymore. It's the twist we put and the vulnerability true. we bring. Well, I don't think anything's ever been unique now or then. Or, yeah. It's always a version of it, but maybe it comes from like intention, you know, like your intention, maybe the awareness of, I'm doing this because there's intrinsic value in it regardless of how many people see it. Exactly. Exactly. And I find that with my work in social media, you know, when I just started posting pictures of my breakfast with my exploration of mindfulness and yoga and, and living a more conscious life, I had no idea it would resonate and I would start writing for big blogs and it would be nominated for a social media award. Mm. I was just doing it for myself and it ended up landing for so many others. Mm. And now that it's a business, mm. it's daily work for me to remind myself to show up Mm. No matter whether I'm getting paid for it or mm. not, no matter what I think of people will think, just like share yeah. my truth and things mm. that light me up. Mm. I need to remind myself every single morning. Mm. Yeah. It's like a social media mindfuck. It's the other side of it. Why why is it a mindfuck? Why is it social Because media? once you do a certain thing and like anything else, and you're known for that thing and this is the thing you do, it can easily become the thing you do and that's where you stop innovating. Mm. And you start doing things in a box that you've created for yourself. And yeah. maybe for someone that works for me, it doesn't. So mm. that's why I surround myself with people that motivate me. I'm looking for a mentor mm. that gets this. My dream mentor is someone like Seth Godin. So if you guys, anyone know out there who knows Seth Godin, let me know. Someone who really is in touch with both understanding of the digital landscape, but also the humanity of all of us and vulnerability and contribution. Mm-hmm. And speaking of contribution, one of the ways you're leaving such incredible contribution in the world is grace. Mm. So, you know, kind of started the conversation talking about you being a story breaker and now looping back at the tail end. This was, it really was for me, you know, going into grace retreat, I knew it was about storytelling and, and you shared with me that there's some magic in, in sharing your story in a safe space in a certain container that's created. And I was like, yeah, we'll see. 
I mean, I felt the power of it, but I was like, I've shared my story. Come on, I share it on social media every day. Mm-hmm. So being in that container and after a couple of days of resisting and stubbornness, giving into it fully and allowing myself to be seen and releasing the part of my being that's like, which story should I tell? I don't know if this is right. I'm kind of done with this story. Maybe this is not relevant anymore. And just sitting there and showing up and, and just sharing whatever is coming through me. That was freaking transformative. So, mm. you know, as you are stepping into more of the story breaker and space holder and healer of your own, what is grace and who is it for? And when's the next one, most importantly? I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I'm just thinking about now, like, grace is what I'm good at. Not being graceful, but this grace thing, this uh, retreat, which is, you know, we've only done two, but so far all the reactions are that it's one of the most powerful things that people come on. And that means a lot because I didn't expect that. A lot of my other work, usually I start and nobody gets it. And I have to show other work before. So when I started the skin deep, people didn't get what I was in the end. They didn't get what I was doing. And I had to show them like a short film of mine. I say, isn't this short film amazing? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. Well, when I talked about the short film, nobody understood it. So now when I'm talking about the skin deep, nobody understands it. But it's going to be just as amazing. And when I started Grace... Donnie, I mean, he'll admit he didn't really get it. And neither did Thomas and Nacho, but the other guides on it. Like, what is the thing? Like, how's this going to work? People going to, when listen to people's stories, going to fall asleep. So just, how do we keep them engaged? It's like, trust me. And it worked out and it works out incredibly powerful. I did not expect it to work as powerfully as it has in terms of the effect afterwards. I didn't realize it would be so long lasting effect because we're getting calls now from people who are like, okay, my friend went on this and I want some of that. When's the next one? And the next one's the last week of April in Mexico. 2019. Yeah. There's going to be two or three next year. But basically, Grace is... And it comes to the moment that I sat with you at the beginning of this interview that you talked about like years ago, the bridge, when I was interviewing you. You know, Thomas and you know, Thomas and, and Kevin invited me. Hey, we're doing the retreat. Can you, can you just film interviews? We want to document the shifts that happen over this nine-month period. Sure, no problem. You know, close friends, brothers of mine. So, of course. So, I, you know, was filming them and filming people. And I realized, oh, my God, these Thomas is doing his medicine. Kevin is doing his medicine. And only through those interviews and, you know, yours is one of those moments where I'm like, oh, maybe my magic is asking questions. That was really profound learning for me. And, you know, that, I think I've told you this, but that moment was also catalyst and a seed laying for what has grace became like that was a seed for grace becoming what else was me building the confidence of knowing where my medicine is mm. and my medicine is is in creating the space where people can tell their story without judgment in vulnerability in confidence of others that's what the end is film we have other things that we, we have a podcast coming out of this same thing grace is that except in real life mm. and it's curated in a very physical space that I found in Mexico and brought certain practitioners, Thomas Droge, Nacho Alvamani, Donnie Epstein, and I put them in the unique physical environment where I know that their magic is going to excel and be exponentially like uh, capitalized on. Mm-hmm. And so the root grace is a, a space, this vortex we create, bringing 18 individuals together and basically taking a halftime break from life where we on the soul level share the trail notes of our lives. And when you do that, you tap into the power of the narrative of human life. 
the greatest technology of all is the synchronicity and the serendipity and all these lessons that happen to you in your life. And when you tell me your life story, I see the magic of life in that and I hear that and it reminds me of the magic in my life. And you have medicine for others and others have medicine for you. And grace is that vortex where we step into that and we bask it. You bask in your own power that you realize from when you tell your life story and others bask in theirs and, you know, and, and you bask in the benefit of hearing other life stories and getting their medicine. And you also bask in your embodiment of you sharing your magic with others, your medicine with others. Does that make sense? Yeah. So whereas other retreats, there's usually this one, there's kind of this relationship where there's the guides or the teachers with the participants and the participants are receiving the teaching and, mm-hmm. and the, but no, this is actually illuminating that connection between all of us. So for me, if the guys aren't having transformational experiences, it's not successful. And I can, you can ask Thomas, you can ask Nacho, they and myself, we all come out of this like, oh my God, shifted ourselves because everyone's holding the space and everyone's sharing their magic. It's just we, some people have forgotten their own magic. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I mean you I've know, been there. yeah, you've been there. I don't think that's a good pitch for those who are like, what the hell are you talking about? Well, if about? you guys want to know more of like a first account experience, by the time this comes out, I'll have a vlog up on my YouTube channel mm-hmm. that shares my personal experience that I filmed while I was there. So you'll actually see my face and mm-hmm. what happens. And they um, can go to the site and the Instagram. Yes, exactly. So what's the best way to connect with your work? Well, Personally, it's topazdesus.com. And then with the Skin Deep, it's our YouTube channel, the, the youtube.com slash the Skin Deep. And with Grace, it's graceretreat.me. Or Instagram is grace underscore retreat. You should contact Instagram and get at Grace. I should get at Grace. I know. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be nice. Can you do that? There are ways. Darren Toomey got class. Really? Yeah. So is there anything else that I didn't ask you about that you would like to share before we wrap? No, I appreciate your time. I feel like I went around in circles. I got so much. And I'm sure everyone listening, guys, the best way you can support the podcast is let us know. If you're that one person who was moved and touched and contributed to by this, then let us know. Tag us on YouTube, on Instagram, anywhere. Email us. Just let us know what you're taking away from this. And check out Topaz's work. and. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Topaz. Oh, thank you. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends, leave a review, and find all the show notes on wokeandwired.com and connect with me on Instagram at wokeandwired. Stay woke, stay wired, and have an incredible day.